on a dark desert highway. <laughs> cool wind in my hair. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superhero Slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's Superhero Slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And welcome to the official Superhero Slate review of Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, what a, what Chris, a mouthful. <laughs> Chris, this is this is a milestone, right? Uh, yeah. I, I know kind of uh, Black Widow kind of puts a... Uh, a speed bump in the whole like uh, mythology uh-huh. of oh the first Marvel movie really, uh, but like the Black Widow was kind of like a send off slash a prequel. Like this was like the first <laughs> movie since like Spider Man that I feel like kind of pushed us forward, right? Well, I was gonna say what that yeah that was in the past. What surprises were there in Black Widow that we didn't see coming? Is, is yes. my question, right? So you know I think we we I felt that it was a solid movie, kind of predictable. Going in the Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, um, you know the trailers, uh, you know, kind of give us a little bit. But I, I think you know, and we'll talk about. It, there's a lot to be discovered in this movie that we're going to discuss, and yes, and, and uh, I'm very no, excited about yeah, that. Yeah, no spoilers here at the top of the uh, spoiler cla- cast that you just tapped yeah. slash clicked on. Uh, we'll let you know when we go into spoilers. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely like a whole act of this movie that they uh, leave from the trailers. And yeah. uh, just if you wait around too long, though, I'm sure these will be like all over TV spots because there's lots of mm-hmm. uh, spectacle that uh, didn't quite make it to the trailer. So there's a, a lot here to anticipate. And it was a bit of a, a romanticized uh, moment for me because this was my first time back in yeah. the movie theaters since, if, I rem- if I'm doing my math correctly, I believe it was Birds of Prey, which was February uh, last okay. year. So it has been a while since I've been back in a movie theater, kind of really uh, delving into the movie-going experience. Um, and we uh, hedged our bets, and we always go to these like luxury lounger um, movie theater uh, th- that okay. we uh, that's our regular and it's great because there's just less people in general in those movie theaters because you can only fit so many of these like uh, lounging recliners in there and then we went early Saturday morning uh, so we got the the cheap early bird ticket pricing so we bought just four seats just for the two of us so we could kind of have like a little extra buffer and we got the seats in the back so like I did feel like we were being a little over cautious but I was just like okay we need to ease ourselves back mm-hmm. into the theater going environment you know we've been out here on the west coast like the headlines have been spiking up and down you know yeah. depending on what month or season it is for this virus so it just like I do feel like we're getting a little bit more comfortable and I think if you take a look at the box office it seems like just people yeah. in general are getting more comfortable going back to the movie theater yeah 100 percent. and i am sitting as we, we just discussed right before this in a different scenario for mike because i uh again I, i'm going to use the word romanticize i like that i was able to see this movie two weeks early um in an imax theater um by chance i was able to get tickets i had to drive out of town for it but it was I, I those 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 chances are rare, right, Mike? Like mm-hmm. few and far between. Does someone in the Midwest get to see a movie early? Like, <laughs> um, I, I know you know out there on the West Coast, you know they they kind of happen here and there. And 
Um, oh, you can like, walk into you can walk into any building. Every, every building out here in Los Angeles has a movie theater. They're in basements. They're in cupboards, and you can yeah. just see any, anything early that you want. And then somebody always hands you like a survey when you walk out. They want to know what you thought about yeah. it. Yeah, and then uh, I actually uh, I was supposed to watch this uh, Thursday. I got a little under the weather, and now I was able to see it this morning. Literally walked out of the theater into my house and recording right now after watching. It. So <laughs> I I have like a I've had a lot of time to think about this because I've not been able to talk about this movie with anybody, um, mm-hmm. and like that's a very it's it's been good to get collect my own thoughts and get and you know and then rewatch it again after like. Rather than cramming three showings into one weekend, right? Like <laughs> I did with like Endgame, but like, I sit and think about it and like go back. I'm like, okay, this is what I need to pay attention for. Did I miss something? So on and so forth. So um, the first time I went to was IMAX. Uh, there's no assigned seats at, at the early screenings. They take my phone, put it in a bag with a number and a ticket, seal it up, and, and like I have to get this at the end. They, they allowed no phones into this theater at all. Um, but they showed everything in credit scenes and everything. Now today I was able to go to, I believe you were at a Cinemark. Is that correct, Mike? Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Cause I went to a Cinemark today and you know what sign they have on the front door? The, uh, pack a pop or whatever it's called, where you take the big popcorn <laughs> home with you that I've never heard of before until you informed me of this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, uh, we were avoiding a snacks during the movie theater cause we didn't want to take our masks off, uh, too often. Uh, so we're like, but we still want popcorn. I mean, we could smell the popcorn outside of the building when we were walking up to it. And we were just kind of a little sad. We're like, oh, man, we're not going to be able to eat popcorn. So on the way, like, this, I don't think I've ever gotten to-go popcorn before. Um, <laughs> so we're like, let's get some to-go. And we walk up to, like, you know, the teenager behind the counter. I was just like, do you have, like, to-go bags for popcorn? She's just like, yeah, we actually do. She whips out this, like, translucent, like, trash bag. It was, like, 11 bucks. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's the first time I've ever seen somebody like layer the popcorn with the butter. So we got like a little bit of popcorn and then she fills like this little paper cup, like full of like fake butter. She drizzles a little bit more popcorn, another drizzle. I don't know if this is common practice or if she knows I'm spending like $12 on a bag of popcorn. So she wants to give me a premium experience. So we get it all like zipped up and everything. And it's just like huge. It's like the size of a toddler. There was a picture up on my uh, Instagram yesterday where we buckled it in the back seat. It was just great. So I got I got to have all of my favorite movie going uh, experiences, just not in the usual order, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so and but um, this time at the you know and, and you were very much right in the reclining the the, the luxury experience um, at the IMAX they made a space out seats right you like mm-hmm. if you can sit in groups but you can't have someone to the left and right of you if you don't know them and so even though it wasn't a sign we still got good seats up but here. Um, it, they don't they don't do that at the Cinemark. They don't save you seats in between these. Um, my AMC does, which has the IMAX. They automatically book that. So I, um, while I, you know, enjoyed going and watching it again, I do not like Cinemark's model for how they're handling this kind of stuff. Um, and I I also was disappointed to find out they charge for refills on their soft drinks there. Did you know that? Did they no, do that? I didn't realize that. Well, at our, at our theater, there was a, a placard by the concession stands that I just kind of uh, glazed over because I was busy watching my popcorn bag being assembled. But it yeah. said something like no refills available currently. So I don't know if it's like state uh, by state, if Cinemark is kind of adjusting uh, to the different guidelines. Well, it wasn't, it, it was financial. They said be, to keep our prices low, we don't offer free refills. I'm like, the hell is this kind of experience? <laughs> I feel like I, I felt like this, this Cinemark here, it was nickel and diming me. And I'm like, I don't like this experience. So I don't think I'm going to frequent there and join into their membership program, but it is convenient because I literally 
drive to the end of my neighborhood, go across the stoplight, and I'm there. I'm like, this is this is fantastic. But, um, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. The theater going experience, I, I, I miss buying food and drinks and, and stuff there. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, uh, I'll just do it later. I can I can build my own theater at home kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to I wanna get into this. I mean, I, rather than just uh, – we, I don't have, like, any fascinating stories other than the fact they bagged my phone up at the first one. But, um yeah, I mean, Mike, um, I've been sitting on this for, for two weeks. I don't know <laughs> what you think. I, I just know you've watched it. Do you want to jump in with your spoiler-free thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, our newest Marvel Yeah, movie? I had a really good time with uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, or should I say Shang-Chi, uh, which Shang-Chi. I just thought yeah, was Sean. Really, <laughs> really, really funny. Yeah, I just had a great time. Uh, I loved uh, uh, seeing Simu Liu really come into his own, because if you listen normally to the podcast, I'm always raving about the show Kim's Convenience, which is a Canadian television show that you can stream, I believe, on American Netflix in its entirety now, and he is one of the co-stars of that show, so me and my wife fell in love with watching him playing the character of Zhang for a, a few years now and then when he was cast to be Shang-Chi we were very excited to see that he was basically being catapulted into the stratosphere and also it's all connected back to like a tweet that he shot Marvel like you know oh hey Marvel I see thinking about you know doing Shang-Chi give me a call so who knows if that was staged or what exactly was going on there but it is just seems like kismet that he was meant for this role and I was a little nervous because he is very much this uh comedic actor in um in uh Kim's Convenience and it was great to see that I really enjoyed seeing his action uh he definitely has uh chops there whether they're swapping and stunt people or not uh but he did release that little short film uh, a mm-hmm. few months ago of him doing his own kind of choreographed fight so he definitely knows what he's doing he has the physicality to kind of be this action star and he just just was very charming mm-hmm. on screen as well I felt like he could really perform these serious scenes and these funny moments which is kind of very pivotal for Marvel and I also enjoyed his co-star, Aquafina. I feel like my opinion of Aquafina kind of varies based on what project she's in. The last time I saw her in something uh, was Raya and the Last Dragon. And I guess you had to mm-hmm. put Saw in quotes because she was the the voice actor for uh, the the dragon. I, I very just found distinctive her very, voice. Yeah, I just found her very irritating in that movie, but I didn't like that movie so much overall. So I was just like, oh, I don't know, what is my opinion of Aquafina? So it was great to see that it was back on the rise uh, in this film. Uh, a lot of really great martial arts, too. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a scene that you can see from the trailers where there is a uh, action set piece set in a bus. And uh, I am happy to say that I think that might be my favorite uh, action set piece in the whole movie. It's just very okay. grounded, down to earth. There's lots of uh, movement and physicality in it. And I have a lot of fun with that. So you can definitely look forward to that bit that you have seen in the trailer uh, in the film. Uh, the story is a little... Uh, I don't want to say, like, standard, but it does very much feel like you're watching the origin of a character, right? You know, you see a lot of the, uh, you see a lot of the the mile markers kind of coming down the road, like, okay, this is where this point's going to happen, this is where he's going to, like, make this revelation, so you're not getting a whole lot of twists and turns there, um, 
But one one thing that I was trying to solve in, in in this film is like where where does this movie set? Right, we're dealing with this. We're dealing with new mythology. We all saw Wong right in the trailer, mm. so we know we have magic as well. And I was like, how do I square this film? What is this new direction that Marvel is heading into? And I, I think after watching this film, this very much feels kind of in line of like Thor and kind of his kind of magical realm out there in the world. And this almost seems like uh uh, like if that if Thor is kind of like the Nordic representation of kind of like this magical mysticism, this would be like the the I guess Chinese representation of this magical mysticism. So it kind of feels like we're we're adding to the Marvel pantheon in that way. So uh, and when I when I kind of made that connection in my head, I was like, okay, this 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 is sitting well. I can square this in my Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then, of course, we'll talk about it in spoilers, but there are two end credit scenes that are yeah. setting up more fun going down the line. And I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Uh, this is going to be another one of those reviews where I had a good time and I feel like most of the things that I'll be able to talk about are going to be positive things. I might have like one or two uh, nitpicks, but I think Marvel, uh, uh, you know, they say failure to launch when things don't launch well. But what do they say when things are a successful launch? Like, I don't think that's a phrase. Good job. A, they say good job. <laughs> good job is successful launch. I think um, I listened to a podcast once where they were talking to these uh, people that deal with like space shuttle launches. Right. And they say the number one word you want to hear when a space shuttle is launching is the word nominal. Because that means nothing is going wrong, and the ship uh. is not going to explode, and everything's everything's a okay. So, a nominal launch for Shang Chi. Uh, I had a good time, and uh, I'm looking forward to hear what you said, Chris. Because, like you said before, uh, you've seen it twice, and you've been sitting on this for a little while yeah. now. So, you've been marinating. I have been marinating, and I, I believe you know. I think I, I've said it a little bit before. Like, I, I recommend watching this. I also had a good time both times. Um, this is again one something. I, I don't think I would have watched twice in one weekend, but I'm glad I got to see it uh, a couple weeks apart so I can actually kind of learn a little bit. I think uh, from from the marketing point of view, um, they do focus on the, the train scene quite a bit. Um, and uh, you know, the, um, was it the, the fight club looking kind of scene a bit? You know, they kind of focus on that. It's like the, the takeaways we've always talked about. But I think there are a lot of surprises to this movie and the characters and everything involved and motivations which, you know, are not in a bad way. Like, oh, this is much better than I anticipated because in my head, like, what I'm like, oh, I can, like you said, mentioned, I can view how this story is going to unfold, but there were a lot of more uh, twists, I wouldn't say twists, more turns, if you will, that, that I didn't see coming and that were very welcome to, to me. Um, like you said, um, you know, uh, Shang-Chi Simu uh, Lu does a great job as this, this character. Um, feels really, really good to... Have him up there, you know, be a lead man, do the action, and you know, kind of lay with the humor. Again, Aquafina, she's there for the humor, but she does have some pretty solid moments throughout throughout the film as well, which is pretty fun and kind of like you know, they 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 build this world for them pretty quickly, and I really enjoy that. I will say some standouts that um you know again that they don't highlight as well would be uh, Tony Lung as the um he, he's not the Mandarin, Winwu, right? Like he the Ten Rings leader, and then also his sister. I will not know how to pronounce her name at all, but um, <laughs> Zha Ling is is right is is the character's name in the movie, and I was like, oh, they're like, I, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything, but they're like hiding her. I'm like this in the in the, in the footage, right? Because it's you know Shang Chi, not Zha Ling in the Ten Rings. Like this is fantastic actress doing doing great stuff in this, and uh, some so it's it's pretty good. I, I really I had a good time with the action and everything. Uh, like I said, I think it fits into the world really well. Um, 
I don't see it conflicting, like you said, with anything else, but it does. I, I You say Thor. I'm going to lean into, like, a mixture of, you know, um, Thor and Doctor Strange, if you will, a little bit. Um, because uh, you remember the, intro, the the beginning to Ragnarok where Thor and Doctor Strange actually meet? Like, I feel like this is something that would fit into that conversation pretty pretty well, if you will. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's mystical, but, there's, you know, there's also there's some uh, magic behind it that, that they've explained before. So... Uh, what you know? There's there's a lot of uh, good future places for him to go. I believe even one of the latest promotions, um, from Marvel on, on the YouTube or, or through social media says that he, uh, you know welcome Shang Chi as an Avenger. Uh, so like like yeah, I could see him kind of gelling with the rest of the team later on pretty well and kind of seeing, um, you know what what abilities or powers the Ten Rings can give him in his world. Rather than you know just kind of being like a, the the original uh, the older more brutal Ten Rings kind of would be so um, yeah I, it's hard to not talk about this without spoiling some of the stuff because there's a lot of good things in here um, I want to talk about so um, anything else you want to add before we, we jump into the full spoiler section um, no let's let's jump on into it that's what we're here for yes we're here to talk about that so I think um, one of the the craziest things is the, the their their father Winmu. They actually humanized him way more than I thought they would for this movie. If I'm going to be complete, we get to see him playing Dance Dance Revolution with like his two kids and his wife. Like, and I didn't really, I mean, didn't see that coming at all. Making him like a human character who's like the, his whole motivation isn't power and like it was power and money, but they they kind of like no, he met someone and like I wouldn't say tamed him, but like you know brought him down. And then the loss of that love is the motivation for his his role in the movie not just oh i want to be the number one ruler of the world kind of thing does that make sense like yeah that makes sense that was like that felt really good to have that rather than just like i want to be the ruler of the world and someone has to stop me kind of thing yeah and this movie really does focus around him uh because the 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 opening of the film is all about his origin story and i felt like they handled that really really well instead of really diving into the minutiae of where exactly these rings came from, it's basically like a, a story that um, that Shang Chi's mother is telling him. Like, oh, we don't know. Some say he got these from a tomb. Some say he pulled them out of a meteor. We don't really yeah. know. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is that this that this man got these rings and was all powerful for yeah. a thousand years. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a clever way to just kind of push the story forward. Because if you know if you know me and you you hear me when I talk about uh, Star Wars and I boil down that whole franchise to the lightsaber I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the Ten Rings I think they're just really creative Mm -hmm. they're really interesting and I think uh, the way that they fight with them whether it's um, Shang-Chi or whether it's father it just looks really really cool Uh, the opening of the film we get to see them used as like a whip and like he has to be very physical with them he's like literally like whipping them around his head to make this force field you know the rings get shot off like bullets Mm -hmm. they get used as gauntlets they kind of are used also was like these like boomerangs or grappling hooks or these yeah, thrusters you can fly with them yeah and everything yeah and i'm just like these rings these things are so cool but then as the as the uh as the movie started to progress i actually started to get a little worried i was like wow these seem very like demonic we don't know where they're from they're controlling his father's mm-hmm. mind i was like i was halfway worried we were gonna lose the rings at the end of the movie um and we yeah. weren't gonna see them uh moving forward so i was really happy to see um to see uh, Shang Chi get the rings, uh, I, they, they seem to have changed their persona once they are on him, 
And yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to him like fighting alongside of other Avengers and other heroes with these rings because uh, that, that that's one thing uh, that we did know about the comic book character before the movie was even announced is he's uh, he's just an expert at martial arts. He didn't necessarily yeah. have any intrinsic intrinsic superpowers. So I guess this yeah. is the way to bring the character into the MCU kind of to on an LA. even playing field with some of these other characters. Now somebody out there who's a big Shang Chi fan might be yelling at me. I don't know what the modern interpretations of the characters have been now. There could be a current comic he, run where like, oh yeah, he's had these rings like for a while now. Where where do you think they got him in the movie? And I feel like there's got to be like really big Shang-Chi fans out there because I was watching this movie like on a Saturday morning in like a half empty theater. And when um, Shang-Chi emerges from that like river or lake or whatever it was riding the dragon, there was like one person mm -hmm. in the theater like clapping. And it's just like it, it was a cool moment. And I'm not saying it's not clap worthy, but I was like, there he is. That's the that's the big Shang Chi super fan that's in the theater because he because he's probably seen this panel in his like uh, comic that he picks up like every uh, every poll day at the comic book shop. This, so like uh, I just I'm just hedging my bets here, but I just I just think the rings are really really cool and they did a really good job because I could have seen these things being very generic, right? They could just be gauntlets, you know. But they found creative ways to deal with them and they well, got pretty visceral yeah. too, especially when they're on on his father. Well, I think that's the, the the interesting part of these is like the way his father used them was very um, forceful, right? Very attack focused. Mm -hmm. And the way when Sean got them, they became defensive. Like he even used them to wrap it around his sister's arm when he was like on the back of the the dragon. Yeah, very right? uh, yeah. His his mother is very much like crouching tiger, hidden dragon style. You yeah. know, lots of floaty, well, a lot of. Um, Michelle Yeoh is <laughs> in this, like she, the, yeah. the, the the lady in there. So like, yeah, but like he 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 was able to use him in a def, like w in an entirely different way than his dad did, mm -hmm. right? Like, and I think that was the beauty of those because it's like whoever used them determines how they are used, not necessarily what how they're used. Like they only have like five different things they can do, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh hey, if you know he's he's more helping, he's more defensive, or like you know rather than offensive, like he can use them that way, and uh, I think he used them. In some pretty cool ways, especially to literally kill the, the 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 Bahamut looking Final Fantasy creature there at the end of the movie. So, uh, oh, that's a good that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, like that's a yeah. really good way to describe the creature. <laughs> it, the, the mega soul sucker, as they, they yeah call it Final Fantasy there. summon. That's for sure. All like it, it, pretty yeah. much all of a lot of these feel like Final Fantasy characters, which I don't know yeah. could possibly be rooted in like the the Asian origin yeah, for a lot of the mysticism. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is and so. Um, I, I, I want to just go ahead and, and call this out. One of the things is uh, Ben Kingsley. They hit him. They hit him so well. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know he was going to be in this until they did the premiere, I, and he was on the carpet. I, I wasn't expecting it. And even as like a really big Marvel fan, I didn't even necessarily need them to address yep. like the Mandarin and the Ten Rings, you know, like from the point of view of the way like we've analyzed this movie and this franchise, like, you know, we get it, you know, by Iron Man 3, you didn't really know exactly the movies that you're going to be making down the line, you know, and no one really had a super hardcore plan, so yeah, let, um, I don't, I can't remember the director of uh, Iron Man 3 at the top of my head. Well, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> um, um, it's a guy who did Predator, uh, Shane Black, but also yeah. at the same time, you gotta think Iron Man three and Thor: The Dark World were still the Marvel made by committee movies with like the guy in charge of Marvel Comics calling those shots, which makes no sense because literally the next movie when he wasn't in control was 
the Winter Soldier, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is much better. Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, I was just okay with the little explanation yeah. we got at the dinner table, right? Yeah. Of just like, oh, there was this terrorist that you yeah. know needed to borrow a boogeyman, so he borrowed my namesake, and I was like, all right, I'm good with that. That's a yeah. that's some clever writing where you can just kind of like brush, you know, the the uh, the villain of kind of Iron Man three this, under this, the table. Yeah. The sour taste that it left in people's mouths a little bit, right? And then we had the the short All Hail the King, which you pointed out was on Disney Plus. Yeah, they pr- this yeah week. they promoted. I don't know if it was added because I it was like added. I've been, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I was hunting down the, the shorts, you know, uh, over the last year or so. But yeah, it was added and it was promoted. So I was like, okay, well this is interesting. And yeah. uh, after I sent it to you, uh, I was like, oh, let's see what Chris's reaction is when I sent that to him. But you were very cloak and dagger. So, uh-huh. uh, so that was I knew good. As, soon as, as soon as you said, I'm like, uh-huh, that, cool. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. and then but, when, but, and then when they're hunting him down, like in the tunnels and you hear this voice, I'm like, what is this like character that I'm hearing off into the distance? Like, what is this? This will be interesting. And the way like they're staging the camera and everything, yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be a reveal of some sort. So my, the Rolodex in my, in my head is like going through the MCU. Like, oh, who could be in this basement right now? And I, I was just not expecting Ben Kingsley, yeah. which is funny. Cause it was the most obvious, right? Tre- Trevor Slattery himself. Uh, when I was in the, the first screening in IMAX, people, like kind of gasp and laughed at it. They they like that was like the big reveal that everyone kind of loved. Like that that one got a reaction out of everybody. Uh, and then his little buddy Morris, um, who's like oh more okay. So this this will pig. go in, this will go into I guess my first uh, pet peeve of the movie. Now I must say pet peeve. This isn't like an end all be all right, but I hated the way that thing sounded. Right, it just was like the mm. most generic like sound design for like cute little creature. Like oh we got this thing with like no face and kind of looks like a pig with wings and he's fuzzy. Like what should it sound like? Oh let's just make it sound like this weird like squeaky like little dog thing. And I mm. I don't know it just like rub me the wrong way so i'm sure there's lots of people out there to like mike what are you doing this is like stupid it's just this, this is little cr- animal this was creature watch uh, on high I know. alert mike. Espe- especially was, me so many who's, creatures who's for on, you. okay but I, I do have to say like creature watch is like i have to put a big asterisk around this movie because these are like if i'm comparing this film in my head with kind of asgardian kind of mythical level like these creatures aren't like terrestrial based right like i'm really specifically looking for weird creatures that exist on our plane of earth so i guess technically this thing was in our realm he was lost yeah. away from home or whatever but i kind of hated this little thing because i was like there was just this side of me that can't not think that this thing is purely in the movie to like sell plushes right and then it was kind of i didn't really like the overall plot device of the creature of like oh this is our upper hand of getting to our uh, our mother's homeland you know before our dad gets there is we're i guess we're just lucky and it's a coincidence that this thing can magically talk to ben kingsley so you know you know i guess it moves the plot along it gets us to the action but i i did think that whole execution was a little sloppy but you know like i said uh it it kind of measures up to the level of pet peeve because you know i'm having a good time overall so i can kind of look over some of these well i I did look it up and it does fit into the mythology and like um you know, lore of Chinese culture, so I think you. Know, oh, yeah, it, I'm. I'm not probably saying this on us, definitely, but like it, it's, yeah. it's like we're. I, this is our. This yeah. is our first time with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying the creature itself isn't like pulled accurately from like a scroll somewhere or mm. like some tapestry, but I just hated the way it sounded, and I hated like that this thing 
that was telepathically communicating was like the linchpin of them, you know, mm-hmm. getting to the their location. But yeah. you know, I guess uh, cute cute creatures are gonna are gonna mm-hmm. cute, right? So Linda so that Mario. but that that kicks off what you're talking about the the hidden act three, right? I think we, mm-hmm. I mean we can go through act one is oh he he's he ran away from his father's training, right? Great. The uh, bus scene is really the, really cool though, and I do want to talk uh, about it because you you do get a lot of the the kind of general idea of what's happening in the trailers, right? Aquafina is kind of like trying to stop this uh, unstoppable, like kind of battering ram bus. You know, Simulu mm-hmm. is on the bus fighting what? people. But so, there was so the guy really... on the the guy on the bus was from Spider Man uh, Homecoming, by the way. Um, he the, the was. Guy filming. Yeah, he's the guy who said Spider Man do a backflip. Um, oh, it's the same. Okay. A, so like that, I, that was a really cool. <laughs> I, I thought there. he looked familiar, but I just assumed he was like a character actor that I had just seen in yeah. other stuff. And I guess that was the truth. I had seen him in other stuff. But, but anyway, uh, sorry. Sorry to catch yeah, up. Yeah. So that, like, that, that was great. Fun. And there's this great little moment because I, I really love the martial arts on the bus because there's lots of like creative problem solving and dodging from uh, Simu Lu where there's this really cool moment where he kind of like grabs one of the railings and he like slides behind it and he brushes up against the side of the bus to like get around mm-hmm. onto like the to drive the bus for a minute and there's just a lot of really cool choreography there mm-hmm. he goes outside of the bus he goes inside of the bus like he, ha- he has to ask his like friend to open up the door yeah. to get back in uh, and then like the whole bus being like turned right at the last second to like rip it apart it was just great. I, I love the execution yeah. of that scene. It, I think it's great. I think one of my favorite ones is like where he notices the bus is falling apart. So he has to like, it's just, essentially it's like a hallway fight. It's all outside the bus showing the fight through the <laughs> yeah, whole it all line. Comes, it all comes back to a hallway fight, yeah. right? So it, it's outside. It's one shot of him fighting through everyone, throwing them out the windows to get down to Razor Fist um, so he can get everyone to the front of the bus for the turn. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I do think it's one of the best ones. I think it, it it's... Um, the the hard the hardest part was when they he got in the bus and I knew about it I saw the big guy in the back um like when they're like there are there are like him and the what Aquafina are talking on the bus I see that big guy in the back I'm like oh no the, like there was no like surprise to the the scene happening to me um because I saw the big guy in the back right Razor Fist. So mm-hmm. I don't know. If, were you surprised when you saw them on a bus? Were you like, "Oh, this is where it starts"? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I I knew I knew I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, but also, I just really like the relationship between uh, Shang-Chi and uh, Katie. I don't remember what her yeah. Chinese name was off the top of my head, but they did continue to refer to her as Katie even after she announced yeah. her Chinese name. So I'm just assuming that's the how we refer to the character. So yeah. I just really like their relationship because at at like at best, like it rises to the level of like, you know, um, like maybe will they, won't they? Uh, but mm. they just really kind of pull that plot out of the out of the film. Right. And I think it was for the best because, you know, if this movie was made like 10 years ago, it definitely would have been a romantic subplot. They would have gotten together at the it, end of it and they would have had a kiss but it just felt like they were just really close friends yeah and it was very very believable and i could see them really go either way right like if they wanted to put the two to them together like in the next film or in another character's film or something like that i'd be okay with it yeah. but if they just wanted to continue being friends i know it, i think that's okay too you know who knows like we don't even know if these uh characters like what you know if they're bi if they're straight or yeah. or what they want to do and the best part is like it, it just doesn't matter because it's all about 
their friendship and how long that they've known each other and they're just a really good team and they just care about each other so you don't have just because like two characters are put together in a movie does not mean they have to reach the level of romanticism and yeah. uh, it's just it's just it's no, just, right. it's just well, really it, funny it, it was well, a modern kind of movie too like I mean I, I was I was I mentioned like oh at the end of it they mentioned hey I'll, I'll uh, Venmo you for this later as he's like leaving with Wong at the end of the movie right I'm like this is a very modern movie this is how people like would act like not everything is a romantic opportunity and like you know it just felt very modern i'm like oh this is nice this is a nice touch to this movie to kind uh-huh. of push it forward uh rather than being stuck in those but um past the bus fight scene we go into um a, a even bigger fight scene uh at the uh the, the underground fighting dojo which i saw a black widow and an extremist guy fighting each other you saw those right little easter egg mm-hmm. and then um we get to see wong and abomination setting themselves up to win money by fighting each other in the in the ring uh, which was a really, really cool little, little, uh, little, yeah. it, little it was scene a cool, for those guys. Yeah, it was a cool addition, but I almost kind of wish it wasn't in the trailer. Right. Because when you see it in a trailer, you know, we weren't necessarily one of the people that, like, overanalyzed that scene too much. I don't think any of us expected really Wong to be in the movie or Abomination to be a villain at all. But, like, you do kind of expect maybe a little bit more out of that scene. And there's (laughs) really not much else to it, right? Like, the fight is, like, barely longer than what we see in the trailer, right? There's, like, maybe two or three more punches. It's double Uh, the length of what's in the trailer. Yeah, and and then it's done. And then we get this little tag uh, later on where I, I, I guess Wong is taking him out of his jail cell to, like, exercise him or rehabilitate him or i'm I'm just not really sure what we're supposed to take away from that moment they're just setting up fights to win money now he he i don't know again we will find out later in she hulk what abomination status is because he he may be in a jail cell that he may be living they may have freed him after the blip like Mm -hmm. i don't know who who is watching the raft when half the people are you know you know snapped whatever i don't know because he's obviously evolved right he's now got his like little fish ears um he looks more like the abomination from from there. But, yeah. Yeah. He had a much more humanoid face because we do get like since we're not yeah. going off of just like a quick screenshot from a trailer anymore, we do get to see his yeah. face full on in the screen. Yeah. And I don't, I guess I don't have a super memorable. No, I no, I do remember what the actor looked like who Tim played Roth? Abomination. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know if that if his face was really on the character they, or not. They used but it was him, definitely more humanoid. They used him and his voice or sounds, mm. the sounds he made rather than his voice because he had really no talking lines. Gotcha. Uh, the producer, the producer did say they they brought him in for that because I think they were using. They, or they were pre-doing stuff, I believe, for She-Hulk with him, maybe. And, mm, okay. Either, either way, well, it's not that fighting. I think I think that's a fun little little Easter egg, right? But that's not that just brings the universe together, makes it connected. Mm. But like, it's the one on the outside of the building, right? Like, this is where we get to see um, Shang and Xiaoling uh, kind of come together and and fight all the people who are like trying to take them down. And this didn't introduce us to but this gave us one of i believe the worst characters in this movie mike one of my biggest complaints is another nameless faceless villain who looks cool as shit who could probably do a lot of cool stuff and they kill him <laughs> off without really doing it, it with him yes i really i really wanted to talk about this on the podcast especially since you've seen it twice so now yeah. you can you can kind of determine whether this was a fake out or not but like when you have a character in a movie 
who is the coolest looking dressed in a costume, right? And there's yeah. really nothing else around there that looks like them, right? Because, like, if you think of, like, Taskmaster and Black Widow, right, there are some other, like, armored goons that have, like, similar kind of art direction for their armor and everything, but they're all, like, blacked out, much like all of these other... Um, Ten Rings commandos, but like this is a, a specific mass character, uh, very colorful, got cool weapons, is kind of like the elite fighting status, right? We see them in a flashback, like fighting and training with uh, with Simu, yeah. and then we see them going toe to toe in this thing, and then there's this very specific moment that I keyed in on just before like the dad runs in and like whips his ring, right? Yeah. Where the, the character is down on the ground and we get to see the life like in their eyes connecting with Simu, like as he has like the knife to them. And I was just like, Oh shit, what's going to happen here? Like they are, the camera is definitely telling us right now that this character is important. And then, you know, the situation gets um, deescalated because the dad comes in. Uh, but then like, we never get anything else more from that character. Nope. Their soul is just sucked on later in the third act. And they're just like dead so i was like well what was the whole point of building up this character it just would have been better if it well, was just like somebody like yeah. you know a normal default black you know matt goon right on 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 second watching it's that you know there's this idea in the story of uh shang chi is is both a mixture of light and dark people right like mm-hmm. he, he, and the darkness is coming. He's like, he tries to hide the darkness, and his darkness is coming. He was going to kill Death Dealer right there. Like that's what it was to show that he is in fact a murderer, even though we've not seen him murder anybody directly throughout the movie. Was what that feeling is. But like this character, Death Dealer, who looks really cool, very visually stands out. Right, like I think even more than the um, Razor Fist guy. He's even an actual character at avengers campus in california okay oh really yeah he's like actually one of the people who fights the shang chi person there and then they just do nothing with him like the whole movie i'm like this yeah that that seems weird it it almost seems like the art direction the art design happened in like the first version of the script and then they decided just to take the kick take the character out of it like well we got something really cool and very marketable here what are we going to do? Like, uh, I don't know, just like, you know, have him just like die almost off screen, but not really like in the third act is kind of what it feels like. Oh yeah. yeah it, it, he even got a Funko. Just, like, like you made a Funko of this dude because he looks cool, but not because he actually has any substance yeah. in this movie. And, and I felt like I was having deja vu with Black Widow. Cause I was just like, Oh, the mom is behind that mask. Like the dad, like brainwashed the mom or something and made her like a killer and put her behind this mask. And I was having like all of these like parallels to Black Widow in my head of like this character trying to like you know square away their past and then it just ends up being nothing so yeah this almost just kind of feels like a, a technical miscalculation right yeah. where they thought nobody would notice but no we noticed yeah and i really feel like there was supposed to be more from this character yeah. you know and, and and i do get it on some level right like you need different levels of baddies within your um within your movie so like the character can like progress and the stakes get higher and higher right but like you kind of already have razor fist kind mm-hmm. of filling that role but even Razor Fist never really comes back around to being like a big insurmountable uh, character I I did think it was a little cheesy here at the big battle in the end where the two uh, factions team up together Uh to kind of like fight the demon it just like I mean, okay, I I do, I get it, you know, these two kind of groups of people would see, like, this huge dragon come out of the wall, uh, and these creatures sucking souls and realize, oh, we need to work together, but it just seemed like, just seemed like they turned on a dime, like, a little too easily, it almost seems like they would have need to, they would have needed to see their boss, like, I don't know, like, 
do something really bad and turn against his it, own people. But wait, he was all the way like across the river. Nobody knew what was going on. So I was like, okay, they're, they're also, I, they, I think they're also just mercenaries too. Like they yeah, could be like, maybe. yeah, like, like if we want to live, like, you know, there's no, we're, there's no glory in death here. We, we just want to live at the end of the day. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I did enjoy the fight on the scaffolding on the building outside of the, uh, the fight club kind of thing. Right. Like, um, to see, like you said, they they use some tight spaces for a lot of these fights, which mm-hmm. makes him like the, you know he's trying to get across this building, so he's like swinging up and down, hitting boards and making them fly into people. Like, and then um, Jolene comes in and she's got the the I don't know what it's called, but it's the whip, right? Like with the the blade on the end that she uses everywhere. Like, yeah, I, I, I always think really of cool. uh. I always think of Shanghai Noon uh, when Jackie oh, yeah. Chan ties a horseshoe onto a rope because I, I think that's the first time I've seen that type of martial arts. So, yeah, that was that to the next level. Was, um, was it Kill Bill? Didn't someone have, like, a, a ball? Like a, like, it looks like yeah, a, it was like a, a ball on a chain, yeah, though. Kind of, so it's a different weapon, but there were kind of similar tricks yeah, where uh, I think her name was Gogo was, like, using yeah. her foot to kind of change the inertia. It, of yeah, it. it's, it's like, yeah, you're using the weight <clears throat> and the rope kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, then we get to the third act, right? This is like the big mystical. We're in a different realm. Did you notice uh-huh. the water swirl look like Dr. Strange's portal dimensions, but with water? Yeah, a little bit. I think that was very intentional too. It seems yes. like they're trying to bring in like this art direction of just like, okay, when things transport, when people are moving around, let's like use these circles, these kind of like, I guess you could still call them like sling rings because it's like a ring yeah. of something like that. Um, yeah, that, that felt very intentional. And also the word realms, like, right. Like when you're making like a Thor movie, like the first Thor movie in a universe in an MCU and a franchise that you don't even know is going to continue. Right. You know, you just throw out the word realm, right. Because like, Oh, it was probably in the comics. It makes sense. Like, you know, it's just how we're going to describe this is it's, it's a realm. But now, like when you use it again later on, like 10 years down the line, it almost seems like, okay, well now you're kind of making like this a nomenclature. You're making like this index of words to explain the universe. And they do use the word realm for where they're going. So I I don't think that this realm is like, cause there's like what, there's like nine of them or something like in that first Thor movie. So I don't think this is specifically supposed to be one of those, but. I feel like we're kind of getting like this. Uh, we're kind of getting these uh, index cards of terms that, like, maybe they're trying to use. Like, okay, a realm is something that's not necessarily a d- dimension. It's definitely not like a multiverse or, well, or something. It is. But they, this is just like another plane of existence it, that's not connected really well, to Earth with like you know a physical Thor or whatever. They they specifically say this is a different universe in this one. Um, so Talo is like a different universe because they did use that word specifically in while I'm watching it the second time. Even though I'm saying these things, I still yeah. feel like all of these terms will forever and always be flexible, whatever yeah. is the easiest for yeah. the plot. And so uh, whatever they need to do to get the story moving is the word and the phrase that and, they're going to go and, with. Well, and to me, um, Thor, I think when they talk about Nine Realms, was like the the testing the waters. Like how are people going to take different, you know, quote unquote realms, like different uni- – like, like you said, planes of existence. And then like – by Doctor Strange and everything, like ah, it's we're opening it up. Like this is everything's fair game now. There's there's tons of these things, but um, very very mystical land. They use all. Uh, they said that there are bigger cities in this world somewhere. Um, 
I'm sad we didn't get to see them. But yeah, I hope that we it get did. To come back to it was those. just it was just kind of like, oh, there is so much cool stuff on the other side of the camera that you can't yeah. see. If only you could see it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, okay, come we on. We have to stay I, here with the smallest village possible to guard the biggest threat to the universe. Yeah, it was like double worse than what you feel like when you're watching Black Panther because you do get some kind of cool uh, vista shots and overhead shots of the city. And there's like maybe like one scene See, where you get to yeah. see like a normal like Market Street in Wakanda. But I was just like, no, I want to see more of this like crazy futuristic city. And we just kind of get like the outskirts, mm-hmm. like where they're raising the rhinos and like the, the throne room, right? Or like mm-hmm. a landing pad where like the uh, the Quinjet here's, comes down. Here's like, where, no, here's I want to see Bucky more. Is. He's out in the field somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's like these cities that you wouldn't believe that rival the biggest cities that you've ever seen on Earth. And it's just like, so are we going to see that in the sequel or... <laughs> What's going on? I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to go back to this realm, kind of back and forth. Um, Because, like you said, the heritage of both uh, Shang-Chi and Zhaoling are are there in that thing. Now, if you tell me right now that you can't make a live-action Dragon Ball movie that's good, I I can look in your face and say you're wrong. Um, (laughs) Because when that dragon came up, I'm like, that is is Shinron. That is is 110% a mystical dragon that I feel could work in a live action movie. If you tell the right story. Yeah. Um, And I, and I know this is very much grounded and kind of like Chinese mythology. And I think Raya, the last dragon was a little bit of a mixture of like Pacific, uh, kind of like those the islands i can't think of the 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 right term off the top of my head but i was just like oh two water dragons at disney now Mm -hmm. uh they're they're gonna sell a lot of water dragon merch and the their kids are gonna have to like no i want the water dragon for ryan the last dragon not the water dragon from shang chi get it right mom well i think i think you'll be able to tell the difference but like this looks very much like a dragon ball dragon i was like oh this is this is really fun this is cool and then she even Katie makes a reference to uh, Kamehameha later. Uh, when she's oh, yeah, the that's story. right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is very, very Dragon Ball. Um, but yeah, the, it kind of – the endings, it, it presses – you know, what we talk, what we know in the MCU is very technological-based, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of magic, a little bit of mystical. But like this kind of ups that ante a little bit. Like, yes, there are creatures and mystical beings out there um, that, you know, eat souls or like, you know, power like um, – I guess Shang-Chi himself because he has the heart of the dragon. Uh, so be it. I just think they, I wish they would have left the dragon off of the, when you mentioned the trailers, I wish they would have left the dragon in the water off of the trailer. Um, Cause I think that would have been a really cool reveal to see it come out and help fight everything. Like, and he is the one kind of there, you know, with it, if you will. I feel like I don't remember a dragon in the trailers that I saw. Okay. Um, Good. Maybe I stopped. <laughs> maybe I, I guess I stopped watching early enough. So that was a bit of a surprise for me. I didn't think that we were going to get a, a dragon so quickly. Yeah. Um, but kind of going into this, uh, the 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 threat behind the wall and everything. Uh, this would probably be like maybe my last. I don't know if it's necessarily pet peeve. It might elevate a little bit more to I think a legit kind of criticism of the story of the rings uh, around the father's arms are starting to control him, right? They're speaking out to him. Not the rings. It wasn't the rings. I, 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 no, I'm pretty sure it was the rings because she's like, she was like, how long has he been wearing these rings? Oh, he hasn't taken them off since she died. And she's like, oh, they're, they're reaching out to him because they know the rings can take down the wall. So the being knows the rings can take down the wall. The rings are not controlling him. They're just reaching out to whoever has the rings and is corruptible to power. Uh, so well, the rings, I, are not, I, the rings are not driving his decision. The that that creature that came out and sucked his soul was. Well, I think I think my uh, my theory still holds strong. That's fine. He's yeah. had these things for a thousand years. I'm just curious why up to this point. 
they had started to reach out to him. I guess maybe the loss of the wife was enough to like, oh, this dude definitely manipulative enough now. But the thing is, he already kind of wanted access to this area before he ever met the mother, right? Like, you know, he was driven by power. That's yeah. he wanted more of it because he'd already conquered everything else so, with this all the yeah. thousand years. So it's just like maybe a bit of an explanations of, of why why now he's right. theoretically been evil for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it's come to this point, you know. And he, then they do kind of gloss over the fact act of when we meet the mother she's kind of this like very spiritual positive you know uh being that's you know protecting her home world and then just an outsider shows up and like tries to like kick her ass and then all of a sudden they fall in love with each other so they do really have to gloss over that relationship very quickly to kind of make us not question it. Like, okay, wait a minute. I think we need a little bit more time to figure out how these well, two fell in love and why this would ever happen and why she would, you know, when, when he was saying like, Oh, your mother, you know, you know, gave up everything in her life to live so we could live a normal life. And it's just kind of like, well, but why? <laughs> like, it seems like things are going pretty well over in her mystical realm. Like, why would you almost kind of like need a little bit of backstory for her of like, Oh, she wants to go out and see the world, you know, she well, wants to leave home. She wants to explore a little I, bit more. I think I think that would have been dead weight. I think that would have wasted literally most of the movies. Like I'm not to get saying them to it, like oh we gotta yeah. see them fall. I'm in not love. saying That's, it wouldn't slow the movie down, but like when you make the decision to remove it, you're gonna leave a lot I, of like believability questions left I, behind. I don't think. I mean, I seeing him with her and the kids. I think it was enough to solidify. Yes, they 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 loved each other. We're now. The reason I think what it's missing is I believe in and Morris kind of proves this like he probably kept going back to this forest trying to get back get into this thing right to wherever the uh, the this extra dimension is and like they he probably has been there hundreds if not thousands of times trying to get in there. Um, he came back with Morris. That's probably he probably so visited this, the mother. A is lot this of just time. one of those classic love stories where you just wear the woman down long enough? Well, <laughs> and then, like, is she supposed to be like the bodyguard for like the gate? Is like, is she the only one posted out in front? Like, also like, and we had this whole like transportation sequence where you go through the waterfall you're transported through almost like the um the bot like a bifrost s situation but like uh she's just like hanging out in front of it like you well, know I didn't she go home does she have nothing else to do <laughs> her her scenes were not the same where she was was not the same where that cave was i don't know where her location is yeah uh, that, but, that's basically all i'm trying to say is that you, you you kind of you leave important information out when you try to move the story along but but luckily enough the rest of the movie was entertaining to where I can kind of let some of this other stuff be pushed aside because ultimately where we got to was Shang-Chi with the Ten Rings hanging out with Aquafina. They're chatting with Wong and like the library. Well, hold on. We before, still, before we, we still don't we, know where these rings are. Before we even get there, I, I want to I go back to, to the, what, we're, what we're talking about. There, my, my second complaint I will give this is the whole reason he is going into this forest is because there's a martial arts style that was used by the gods right that's why he went mm -hmm. and that's what um the mother i forget her name um was was fighting him with well at the end of this movie shang chi knows this for some reason but like they never show him like i guess he maybe he learned it as a kid when his mother was moving his hands around but like how did he get so good at this without training is my question like the whole well, premise of this him going to this magical land was to get this martial arts style and that is dropped almost like instantaneously. But like yeah, that is also the I, crux of what beats him 
at the end. One thing, one thing I was expecting, I was expecting almost a symbolic transfer of power, not just with the rings, because the rings are their own thing, right? We learned this at the end of the movie, that these rings, we don't know what the hell they are. We don't know where they're from. They might not even be attached to this this mystical realm in which uh, Shang-Chi ends up going to. Uh, but we do hear a lot about how the mother left her power behind. She left it with the dragon when she came to live you yeah. know, with the earthlings, I guess if you you call them earthlings i don't i don't know what you call it because uh, she's not like an alien but she's not from earth right um and she left it there so i was almost expecting when shang chi was underwater and you know he was kind of saved with those uh sonic uh the hedgehog uh air bubbles, and bubbles right you know yeah ex- yeah exactly i was expecting like the dragon to like almost impart his heart on to shang chi and that right. would kind of be the transference of power but i guess they kind of just went through this idea of like oh well they let us know that the dad the bad guy he's the they're gonna go there in three days but they get there before them so they have three days to like train and there's a a little bit of a montage of him learning this so i guess really what it was is he was just supposed to remember what it was like to be around his mother before he ran away and that kind of unlocked his uh kind of like tai chi flow type of power so i i guess that's kind of where they're trying to say he he learned this secret fighting but also it almost wasn't even necessary to the point because he was already like a badass fighter right you know i i feel like I was always under the uh, inter- uh, the impression that the reason the dad keeps whooping his son's butt is because he has the rings. I was like, as soon as Shang-Chi gets these rings, like, the dad, like, stands no chance. Like, like you know, like, Simu Liu is, like, in his, like, 20s, like, right? Like, maybe he's, like, early 30s. I'm not 100% sure. And this dude is just, like, he's, like, just an old dude. Like, even though he's been ageless, he's still technically been aging. So it's just, like, yeah, I, I, I totally believe that this, like, like this 20 year old dude that we saw shirtless with, with abs because like beat the crap out of his dad but his dad just has these rings so I guess I almost myself didn't even need like a montage of him like learning his mother's uh, fighting well, I was, style I would, I would say that but the whole point of the movie started with like there is a fighting style uh, that only the gods know and that's what he wants to get like that mm-hmm. was the, that was the, the Mandarin's ultimate goal was to get that and then come to find out that's the only thing that can beat him so it's mm-hmm. not that I needed a montage of him learning it. It's just like, you know, just just bring that yeah. background because that's how the movie starts, and then that's what you know his um, Shang Chi's mother did to beat the rings. So when you know uh, Shang Chi can yes beat him, but like he, that's how you beat the rings without having the rings, right? Like that's yeah. how he like made them. I, I don't know if he possessed them, made them his own, tamed them for himself. Yeah, um, it does kind of really feel like ownership a little bit, but I, I think yeah, we'll get into it that feels later. like a, a a taming. Yeah. yeah, and I guess this might be one last nitpick that I feel like I'll, maybe a lot of people out there will not agree with, or they don't have this same type of problem. But I feel like I kind of got fight scene blindness kind of by the time I got to the end of the movie, where uh, the whole the whole film is really all about uh, featuring all of these martial arts styles and these martial arts action set pieces. And I feel like by the time I have seen my third or fourth one i feel like they're just kind of in my head i'm just going through the motions right i was just like okay well no one's gonna die here you know there's not gonna be any like gruesome blood or like sword chopping any people up and i'm not expecting that in this type of movie right but it just seems like okay this is like the fourth or fifth time i've just i'm seeing people punch each other right well now they have like staffs and stuff so i i just felt like things didn't change up that much by the time we got to the end of the movie they just threw some dragons in the mix right you know when we're kind of watching some of these other 
superhero hero films, you know, we'll get like costume changes or like new powers or new interesting ways that like Iron Man is like using his stuff or like Cap is like throwing his shield around in an interesting way. And so I, I would, this just kind of reinforces why I was always happy to see the rings because they just elevated the martial arts even more to like superhero echelon. Like, cause when you're watching a martial arts film, like the raid or something like that, things are so much more visceral, right? Like I truly believe that people are getting injured and they're not going to recover from this. And this person just got punched in the throat and they're probably going to need reconstructive surgery in this universe. Right. But kind of when you're in this PG 13 fantastical environment, like a punch is like almost meaningless because like we see people get punched in this franchise all the time and it doesn't mean literally anything at all. So I I, I guess I got a little bit of like fisticuffs fatigue by the end of of the film. So I'm just glad that the rings are here and they will persist because they just make things work. If you want to fix that, go back and watch Iron Fist. If you want to watch... how martial arts was handled oh i agree with you it was great uh screen junkies did an honest trailer for iron fist uh uh to kind of i guess celebrate the next uh uh martial arts uh franchise from marvel and that's just like oh Uh, man i can't believe they went back and watched that and it was an interesting road to travel back down rewatching that again yes so now we can get to the final act here uh, because yeah we we covered everything the the final the first in credit scene right we get Mm mm-hmm Wong has summoned Shang-Chi and Katie to the Sanctum to talk about the rings, which are giving off a beacon. Uh, and no one really knows what they are. They're very old rings, older than um, even when Wenwu had them. And uh, I think this is the part that people are going to talk about the most. We get Dr. Bruce Banner back as a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, after we saw him last, as a Hulk uh, in um, Professor Hulk scenario, right, from yeah. Endgame. And, and he still has the uh, the cast from when he uh, snapped his finger for yes. the gauntlet. So... I, I saw this the first time, and I've been holding on to this. If you look at his left arm, he's got a little bracelet over his arm with a green dot. In the comic books, he has this thing that like kind of can monitor like when he's the Hulk and like maybe like take the power away a little bit. Like you mm-hmm. know, I believe he has one of those, and he'll have one of those in the She Hulk series as well. Oh wow! I can't believe I didn't even realize this because I'm just so used to kind of seeing the character transform. Yeah, he was kind of that nerd Hulk yeah. the last time we saw him and he just persisted as that. And then yeah, I never realized, oh, I'm seeing him as Bruce Banner again. He must have come to some sort of a to terms with his uh self and his identity. Yeah, I, yeah. maybe maybe he had to turn back to himself to, like the to start the healing process or maybe yeah. the the cosmic, uh, maybe well, it's the divergent, the divergence in the it, Eternals or well, something. I don't know. Well, it could be, it could be, you know, again, human human bodies are probably easier to heal on a cosmic scale than a Hulk body would be, right? Like we have more medicine and knowledge to do that. So, yeah. uh, but he is wearing again from the snap. Let me get um, uh, Brie Larson. She's growing her hair out. So obviously, that some time has passed since Endgame, right? Um, because she had like the the shorter. I wouldn't say mohawk level, but you know what I'm talking about, like the the shorter. You know what? It's space too. I wouldn't be surprised if there are space salons that will just grow your hair out instantly too. Of course. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so um, I just want to throw this in. So in the comic books, the Ten Rings were made by a race of of people in the universe called the Macluans. Um, These they made uh, these these are actually rings in that universe, right? Like each in the comic books. Um, but like they send them to earth and they like hide amongst people or planets and they hide amongst them as a thing. But like one of the most famous Macklins is the Fin Fang Foom character. Who's like a, essentially a big green space dragon. Um, mm-hmm. So is this setting up the next Shang-Chi movie or is this setting up a different, uh, like a more of a Marvel Avengers movie because we have three or four Avengers in one room at a time. 
um, because the post credit scene seems to set up the Ten Rings as like a uh, you know a Disney good or- Plus series, <laughs> yeah, or, or like a good organization, like you know whatever um, you know Xiaoling's running it with equal men and women training in this thing. So yeah, I almost didn't see uh, th- talking about the post credit scene. I didn't see it as maybe a good organization. I kind of just saw it as like, oh, she finally gets her own. She kind of gets to be in the spotlight again. She doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you know just hiding in this uh, underground uh, fight club. I almost expect her to be. Um, to be kind of ambiguous whether uh, it's good or bad, right? She's just going to be running yeah. her own thing. And she could, I could see it be butting heads with her brother, like, oh, well, why aren't you being good? Like, oh, you Avengers just think you're so good. We're, we're out here on the, on the streets, you know, doing, like, the real work or whatever. Right. Uh, during that final shot, you know, there's so many, like, black costumed characters, right? Because there's so many parallels with the Ten Rings and the Black Widow organization, right? They almost have the exact same purpose of toppling governments and doing things from the shadows. Like, I was looking at this scene, like, are there Black Widows in uh, here, too? Like, th- is this be. what happens? Well they, fa- yeah. they fall off the wagon and they just fall into the next organization. It's kind of like how people are in cults who are in cults are just more susceptible to joining another cult down the line, right? It's kind of what it felt like, but in that first post credit scene, um, I was happy to kind of see Brie Larson with a little bit of character, you know, right? Yeah. I feel like even in her own origin movie, since she was under, like, I guess I guess amnesia, or not, if, if you want to call that. She, she, you know, she really didn't find her characterization until, like, the final end of the film. And really, it was just her, you know, just kind of, you know, getting revenge or getting even on the people that get, did did this to her and then she's so stoic in the avengers movies that she's just seems like this omnipotent god that just is above everybody else you know she even has these line where she says like oh there's lots of other stuff happening around the universe sorry i can't be here to help earth all the time so it was just nice to finally see brie larson as like a character just that's having like a little bit of fun with the role it just seemed like she was even just in this little bit of moment she's just like oh yeah he's got my number and she's like i don't have her number i don't know how to call her it's just like it was just fun to see the dynamic because she hasn't had really fun with any of these characters yet right she's just been trying to save the universe from collapsing so i'm looking forward to a little bit more of a light-hearted um captain marvel well, and, down the line well i think the, the the hardest part about captain marvel again not not to get off topic of, of shang chi is, is that they they i think they did in game and infinity war before they even wrote her movie so they mm. were like what do we do with her like and you can see that in Endgame, like we don't know what we don't even know what she is yet because her movie's not even done. Like, yeah. So, um, I that's it's definitely now that she's got some room to breathe because she's like the bridge character for those movies. Um, we'll do that. But but Sean, she feels like you know, it, we may not. I don't know when the next time we'll see him. Any of the current movies on the list? Uh, I mean, do you see him coming back? I mean. Wong is obviously the new Nick Fury of this universe, right? Obviously, he's like recruiting all the people. Uh, um, well, it helps so, when you have a portal that you can instantly like pop over to any character yeah. in a time and, of crisis or a time of conscience, and you can be like, "Hey," and and he's such a fan favorite character too because he's just so like he's funny, right? Like he mm-hmm. he does the karaoke with them at the end of it. Like, yeah, Wong's the guy you want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah. What, I mean, do you see him popping up in any other MCU movies in the next? I mean, two it years? seems like the multiverse of madness is already pretty stacked, right? You know, you're already going to have Wanda yeah. in there. I'm sure Wong is going to be in there as well. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of looking through he... the list here. Like, I yeah, I don't know kind of like, will it be this phase? I mean, 
I mean, I, I suppose they're writing a brand new uh, strategy here with Disney Plus. Is the next time we see him going to be yeah. in a Disney Plus series? I don't know. I, I wouldn't think hmm. so. Uh, again, I mean, we. I'm looking at the list here. I don't see any that I think he would pop up in because they're very like the Disney Plus series are either like dealing with Iron Man stuff like Armor Wars and Secret Invasion and Ironheart and stuff like that. Uh, but like, you know, this originally Eternals was supposed to be first before Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi was next. But like, you know, there's an untitled movie in 2023 for July. Do you think they're going to try to crank out a sequel after the success? I mean, I feel like this is saying like, yeah, the box office, we didn't even talk about those numbers, but it's like the biggest, um, what, uh, Labor Day um, it's the biggest labor day, and I was actually surprised to see the box office headlines because it says, "Oh, uh, biggest uh, Labor Day weekend," and I was like, "Oh, are they just ever. comparing <laughs> it to last Labor Day?" And it's like they're like, "No, ever." And then my brain kind of went down two different tracks. Of one track of just like, do big movies not come out on Labor Day usually? Are people not capitalizing on that four day or that three day weekend very often? But then they said that just box office in general is up from 2019 before the pandemic hit uh, in general. So this could just be a sign of people are going back to the movies. Uh, People don't want to be stuck at home anymore. They've been stuck long enough. I guess there's either there's enough vaccine out there to make the people who want it feel comfortable. uh, And then, you know, there's plenty of stupid people out there that are risking things uh, to begin with. Hence the reason why I left my mask on during the whole movie. Uh, So it, it seems like that. This could be a sign that day and date releases are pretty much done. I think early on in the pandemic, I said that we won't see a big definitive, um, we won't see a big definitive change in like kind of like the strategy with movies until there's some sort of record broken that doesn't relate to the pandemic. And the, here we have it, a Labor Day record broken that has nowhere that doesn't have the pandemic written on it anywhere. So uh, I think everyone's going to be holding to their release dates now moving forward. I know Bond's not going to be moving, Bond. you know, unless there's like a crazy variant that drops that like just totally blast through well, uh, vaccinations in, in two months a deviant might drop instead it's an eternals oh, yeah. reference <laughs> so i think eternals i mean if with this i think the eternals is, is solid on the on the radar after this now, so uh, not so not thinking of upcoming movies but if you had to pair shang chi like you know say not an avenger style group right because eventually he'll yeah. be with a bigger group facing like a bigger threat if you had to throw if you had to put him in like a team up comic or a movie oh, or if you had to put him in like a trio like where do you see him fitting right because he has like he has like this hand to hand combat style right but he also has the ring so he can kind of fight with the with the uh with the big powerful people so Maybe maybe like a Black Panther or Wakanda situation. I could kind of see those kind of battlefields meshing pretty well in my head. Possibly. Uh, I, two things can name. One, imagine him playing off Scott Lang, uh, like an Ant-Man, like the, like the two characters together, right? Pretty mm-hmm. – like Scott Lang's not a fighter. He uses technology, and then Shang-Chi's essentially a fighter. Uh, the other thing would be maybe um, – you know, I might get some flack this. Maybe with you know Sam Wilson and Bucky, like in Captain America situation. Like, do you think like they they'd be interesting to see them all together? Hmm. Doing it, 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 it's Just because it's so this- weird. <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, you can't, I, I feel like you can't uh, take Shang-Chi away from the character of Katie slash Aquafina. so it's like, well, who would you like to see her interact with as well? Like, she's kind of like this, like, sidekick now that, you know, doesn't really have any powers, you know. I, I take it as a, as a, um, 
as it was just pure luck that she was able to fire that arrow and hit that dragon, yeah. right? Luckily, it's a really, really big target, and everybody else was dead, it seemed like, on that yeah. battlefield, or at least, like, beaten down to where, like, anybody else could have made that shot, so she was just there to take it. So uh, I don't really see her, like, putting on any, like, uh, boxing gloves moving forward, you know, <laughs> yeah, unless her I, character I don't, I don't in the comic book... You know, uh, gets that power at some point in time, but she just seems like a fun sidekick. Maybe she can hang out with Darcy. I feel like they would they would get along pretty well, right? That's true. Yeah, I mean, I I just hope. Um, my my hope and goal is that she doesn't become the damsel in distress in the next movie, right? I don't need mm-hmm. a like a Thor two syndrome, like where Natalie Portman, you know, oh she's infected with some alien thing, and now we got to go find it an answer for it. I I just mm-hmm. hope they keep her from from being a damsel in distress. as my quote unquote hope for for that i i think it's a fun movie i mean I'm, I'm glad i got to see it twice and that's you know um i i learned a lot more the second time and i i was happy that this movie surprised me with all not the twist but the turns right like the 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 like again humanizing the quote unquote mandarin winwu uh the the leader of the ten rings and um making this more more of a fit the act probably what the first family movie i'd say in the mcu like, because it's all about you know, um, the the mother, father, and the two kids really at the at the core of it. It's all it's all about family now. Yeah. Family is what drives the box office. Yeah. Just look at the Fast and the Furious movies, yeah. right? I watched Fast Eight this week. That's all I can think about is family now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, any 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 closing remarks before we we kind of wrap it up here? Well, I think, like I said at the top of the review, uh, uh, nominal launch. Everything uh, went according to plan. We have Shang Chi set down in our universe uh, great character looking forward to see what he does next uh, it seems like they got a lot of the uh, confusing stuff not confusing but they got a lot of the mishigas out of the way right you know they dealt with his origin how he got his powers in the rings now he can just move forward and kind of just kick ass and the only kind of question that we have left to be answered uh, that they are willing to answer is where did these rings come from so yeah. Seeing I, like a cool anthropomorphic dragon with big old muscles and biceps, you know, yeah. that might be kind of cool. We might be getting Beta Ray Bill at some point in time, so we're just gonna have like these this weird is, kind of like is, kind of cosmic dra- creatures. This is Dragon Ball all over. We're having oh my the Dragon God. Ball Super. <laughs> well, now that I think about it, there are so many similarities to like Thor and his universe. Like the rings are basically Mjolnir, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we get like a third or even in the sequel of Shang Chi of like, oh, can I possibly be this hero without the rings, right? You know, he's worthy so he gets them you know beta ray bill um uh the you know the the fing fang foom and everything uh, lots of parallels but yeah. uh so maybe we'll just see taiko td directing one of these movies like moving yeah, forward i hope not I, let's let's keep him in his lane i think i think i think that the director uh dustin daniel Cretton did a really good job and um again, oh, you, yeah. sent, mm-hmm. you sent me one of the songs the soundtrack's banger like oh yeah i the second time i was able to listen to it a little more because i'm like i'm like trying to absorb all the hype you know for seeing the mm-hmm. movies so I was able to enjoy it a, a lot more. So um, I'm excited to see where this goes. And I think for the first time in a long time, I have a big question mark for Marvel. Where are you going and what are you doing? And that's fantastic. So let's see if we can get some more answers with this. Mike, if people want to know what you're up to, what you're doing, where can they find you at? Well, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Valdan, V A L D A N, or Instagram, Valdan87. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Reach out to us. Tell us your thoughts, your feelings, your reactions. We want to know them. 
mm-hmm. people know more about this in upcoming movies and all that other fun stuff we have on our uh, site, where can they get us at? Well, if you want to find our underground fight club, all you have to do is visit superheroslate.com. That's the best place to find all the avenues we host our show and to find our other reviews for other films that have been out there in the world for like the last 10 years because I feel like we've been doing this forever now. So if you want to see our review for Black Widow, if you want to see our review for any other superhero-related thing, we got that over at superheroslate.com. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get merch at superheroslate.com slash store. Like Chris said, reach out. Let us know what you thought about the movie, what you're looking forward to uh, coming down the pipeline. Is there anything you'd like us to review that maybe isn't so mainstream? Any superhero properties that are kind of going under the radar that you'd like us to talk about? Reach out. Let us know. And as always, if you want to be a super fan of this podcast, all you got to do is share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and stay subscribed and stay tuned because we are going to be recording our weekly news episode up next, folks. Also... Before I forget, everyone who's still listening to this, uh, this will be on Disney Plus in 45 days. So if you don't get to catch it in the theaters, you only have to wait a month and a half rather than the usual like 90 days. So yeah, that's nice. And we will see you guys next next week, every week. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Uh, what what did Ben Kingsley say? That's a weird looking horse. It's looking right at me. <laughs> or.